Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, March 29, 2018. And today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 44 of the chapter for We Agnostics. And we're going to read paragraph 4 today that single paragraph in its entirety. It begins with, if a mere code of morals and ends with, they failed utterly. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Leslie M., the 12 Traditions, Libby E., and reading the text and support today, Terry A. H., Kathy Jo P., and Stephanie L. Thank you very much. The reference numbers, which we are which really are share ID numbers when you call the phone line, for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 11221. 11221. That would be Wednesday, March 28th. And then for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting this morning, Thursday, March 28th, I'm sorry, March 29th, it's 11224. 11,224. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And now I will ask Leslie M. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Leslie M. I'm a compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Leslie Ann. Now I'll ask Libby E. to please read the 12 Traditions. Thanks, Melanie. Good morning. I'm Libby E., recovered compulsive eater in New York. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 
Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Libby E. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 44, paragraph 4. And it begins with, if a mere code of morals, and ends with, they failed utterly. And I'll ask Terry H. to open up this discussion today by reading that paragraph and sharing on it. Good morning, Terry. Terry Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Terry A.H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Maine. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources is marshaled by the will. We're not sufficient. They failed utterly. And um, let me stop my timer. Um, so I absolutely love this paragraph. Um, it just it just tells me that I can't do this on my own power. And, you know, I had to ask myself, how many times did I wake up and tell myself tomorrow will be different or I'm going to change my life or I'm going to do better, be a better person? Um, if I had just been a good girl, things would have been different. If I could just change, I wouldn't keep doing this to my loved ones. And, um, you know, where it says um, to be comforted, uh, philosophically comforted, what is that exactly, what does that mean? You know, what does it look like to, um, you know, to actually have a way of life that comforts me? And, you know, my truth is I could not create that around me because the needed power wasn't there. And, you know, I've lived, I've lived in my, you know, my mind and the existence of the attempt to bring life into physical reality was not was not possible. So I always love to go back to Bill's story because Bill and I are so much alike. So in Bill's story, there's like 11 things that does not keep him sober. And, and those things are good intentions, high abilities, firm resolve, renewal of resolve, sincere promises, self-knowledge, fear, family, friends hospitals, and even medical science. So like Bill, 
all these things were not enough to produce an entire psychic change to overcome, you know, his alcoholism and my food addiction. So for me, my truth is I'm just like Bill because I lack the ability to control the amount. I lack the ability to not pick up again. And I lack the ability to live a successful life on my own power. And if I can't see that I am gut level hopeless, I won't see that I need a God. Because for me, I cannot build a spiritual path based on a lie. Thanks for letting me share. And I'll pass. Thank you so much, Terry A.H. Now I'd like to open up the lines for others to share on this paragraph, paragraph 4, page 44. Who would like to comment? Zoe K. Did I hear Billy K? Zoe K. I heard what it sounded like, Billy K, but we'll get it from there. And somebody, Lucy R, is that what I heard? Yes, Lucy R. Thank you. Anyone else? Gina O. Jan S. Gina. Sherry KB. Gina S. Boy, I'm not having Sherry. I heard somebody before Sherry. Can you repeat? Kathleen O. Hang on just a second. Let me get this squared away here. I have... What I heard as we're going to find out what it is here in just a minute. Zoe K, Lucy R, and I did I hear Gina? Did I hear Rebecca? Rebecca T. And then Sherry KB, and then who else, please? One more person. Kathleen O. Okay, thanks, Kathleen. Okay, let's go with that. Um, Zoe K, Lucy R, Gina, Rebecca, Sherry, and Kathleen. Good morning, Zoe. Hi, can I be heard? You can. Excellent. So this whole thing about moral philosophies don't work and all these other things don't work. Well, I'm a psychotherapist, and I'm really good at what I do, so I know it all, right? And not so much. Um, You know, I've done so much. I've done so many things. I've done psychotherapy myself. I've done religious ritual. I've done reasoning. I've done logic. I've done everything, and nothing Nothing works but surrender. Nothing works but this total psychic change that comes with absolute surrender. And surrender is a really challenging thing. The challenging thing for me in the last few days was I'm on vacation and my caretaker at my house told me that my daughter's beloved cat had gone missing. And I was sure she was gone. She'd been gone for 48 hours. And I was just panicked. I mean, my daughter is seven. She loves that cat more than life itself. And uh, so I reached out to a program member, and the program member said, this is not your plan. This is God's plan. This is not, you're not in control. You're not a bad mom. You're not in control. You don't get to decide what life lessons your daughter learns about this cat and death and loss. And I was able to breathe that in, and I was able to truly surrender to that, and I was able to actually get some peace while figuring out how I was going to break the news to her if the cat didn't come back within the next few days and how I was going to deal with her heartbreak and her sorrow and her possibly deep depression. And I was actually able to get enough serenity to feel like I could go on and feel like she would be able to go on and um, be able to sleep at night the last couple nights. And I am so grateful for that. And then this morning the cat's back. And I just want to laugh and cry at the same time. And I never had to break her heart. But it's a real lesson for me in surrender. And that surrender to my higher power is the only thing that saves me and brings me serenity and gives me the solution to my life problem of existing in this world with its ups and downs. Uh, So with that, I'll pass. I'm so grateful to be able to be on this meeting today. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks, Zoe. Zoe K., thank you so much. Lucy R., you're next, and then Gina will follow you. Thank you so much for your service and for everyone providing service. I love this paragraph so much. I have it underlined, highlighted with an asterisk. <laughs> uh, my The asterisk and everything, the most biggest part to me, it just seems the uh, the crux of the issue are these words. The needed power was not there with a little p. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. To me, this spells out the whole program in a little sentence. 
Self-reliance is the root of my spiritual melody. Reliance on power with a capital P is the spiritual remedy. That's the crux of the issue. And I used to think when I first came into the program, uh, that was a one-time choice. And it's not. Uh, There are many choices all throughout the day. There are many, many opportunities to practice my program or practice my problems. Um, Every time I, I turn to higher power and seek alignment and direction from my higher power, I am working my program. Whenever I am marshaled by my own self-will and I think, oh, okay, let's do this and that, those are my old ways of living. That's my old, uh, that's my disease, that's my addict. So uh, that sentence underlines for me what is the program and what is my commitment is to remember in every choice, in every moment, that I will not rely on myself anymore. It didn't work and it keeps me sick. And so now I'm going to turn to my higher power with a capital P and ask for God's direction in every choice, and I'll pass. Thank you very much, Lucy. Gina, you're next. Gina S., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. And, um, yeah, what – am I truly convinced that – the needed power wasn't there. I think that's what prevented me from uh, truly grasping this program for the first eight years in these rooms um, was a failure to admit my complete powerlessness over food and over um, my ability to run my own life. Um, You know, I had some inkling of not being able to control my food and eating for sure, but, um, you know, I had been raised in in the society and uh, to believe that I'm the master of my destiny and that, um, you know, if you read the right books and have the right religion or philosophy uh, that says in this paragraph um, and get a hold of your emotional nature through, you know, therapy and mindfulness and um, and self-knowledge that you can manage better and it took a long time for those old ideas to be uh, to poke holes in those old ideas and I don't want to say they're destroyed because they're still being slowly dismantled um, one day at a time as I work this program Uh, but I I needed to I guess be beaten down uh, in this disease um, and in failure to uh, be comforted by self-knowledge, by philosophical knowledge, by moral uh, codes that I just couldn't seem to live up to no matter how hard I tried. And that was a a sad and demoralizing process. But the upside is that when I finally did grasp my true powerlessness, I got to a place where um, through surrender I have access to a greater way of life. And I say access because I don't I'm not guaranteed it. I'm not guaranteed it at all unless I commit to surrender and to uh, uh, walking this path with God and with all of you every day. So thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Gina F. Rebecca T., you're next, and then Sherry, you'll come after Rebecca. Hi, this is Rebecca T., Grateful Recovered, Apostle Eater, Central California. yeah, I definitely, I thought that the resources, uh, I thought that I was the resource. Um, it it wasn't until I had tried absolutely everything um, and was thrown to my knees that I realized that I wasn't a power. It wasn't going to be my resources and my tools and my understanding and my profession and all the you know, and all the self-help books I read um, and all the, you know, nutrition knowledge, it, it wasn't going to be any of those things. Um, and my control, that that was going to um, get me recovered. And uh, I I wish, in a way, that it took just someone telling me that, that that, that was the case. 
Um, however, I do see um, the blessing in that as well, um, because I think being on my knees um, has has humbled me to a point where um, I'm not I'm not going to question anymore. Um, my free will, uh, every time it does want to creep in, or every time my own personal reasoning and not my higher power or wants to come in, I, I just go right back to that moment. And I remember, and I say, no, you know, you remember, you already tried all that. Uh, you, you tested it out 500 times of your own free will, um, and your own tools and it doesn't work. And it, and it left me in pain every time it keeps me in agony. It, it keeps me numbed from life and from showing up. And, uh, so, uh, I am humbly and gratefully, uh, present with my higher power and this awesome fellowship. And it really feels great to be in the solution today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rebecca T. Sherry KB, you're next. And then Kathleen O, if you want to get ready. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. It's Sherry KB in Northern California. Uh, very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thanks so much for your service, Melanie, all your service, and everybody on the line, and welcome newcomers. And um, I also, too, love this paragraph because, you know, it just keeps reminding me that, you know, this is not a moral issue. It isn't my fault. But it is my fault if I don't get help. Um, that I do know. And that, you know, for me, I was always trying to fix a permanent problem with a temporary solution. And for me, that that meant that it was a diet or it was, um, I'm going to do it differently this time. And it was all around a, a judgment and prejudice about myself thinking I should be able to solve my own problems because I grew up in a family that I was taught it was weak to lean on anything and that, you know, something was wrong with me if I couldn't figure something out. And not being funny here, but figuring it out is not one of our slogans. Um, I know that, you know, the more I'm in this book, the more work I do in this book, the more I realize how many years I spent trying to fix myself, um, thinking it was a moral issue and that I was weak and what was wrong with me and why couldn't I be like everybody else in, in this department because, you know, I was okay like everybody else in other departments, but why not this one? And you know what? That was my will. That was marshalling my will against a disease that I have no power over. And that's what I finally got to in that it isn't a moral issue. It isn't, you know, it isn't the next diet for me because, you know, that – I used to have a friend that always told me, Sherry, you have a diet mentality. And, you know, I had because I thought a diet would solve my problem. You know, and I didn't realize that, you know, this is a twofold illness, that, you know, a physical allergy of body and a mental obsession of the mind. And if I have a mental obsession of the mind, I can't fix what's broken with a broken mind um, as far as, you know, this this disease. And so I do need the steps. I need a higher power. And, you know, and my disease wants to fight that all the time. Um, but when I got into the step work and got recovered, you know, I, I want my higher power in my life. I, I finally, you know, said uncle and finally got that, you know, I can't fight this disease by myself. Um, I can't do it. And it doesn't mean that I'm morally wrong or any of that. And I finally had to come to peace with that. And I'm so grateful that I have. And so can you. Um, this is not about a moral issue. This is not about uh, how smart you are or, you know, figuring it out. Uh, that's what I thought. I've saved you a lot of years of trouble. Just hang in there with us because this is a great ride, and I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Sherry KB. We are on page 44 of Chapter 4, We Agnostics in the Big Book, Paragraph 4. Kathleen, oh, you're next, and then we'll open up the lines for others that want to share on this. Thank you so much, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. This is Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. And self-knowledge, willpower, doctors, frothy emotional appeal didn't help me. 
And now I'm told a code of morals or a better philosophy of life probably isn't going to help me either. And if any of those had worked, I wouldn't be on the line today. I tried all those things and they failed me miserably. Every time I tried, I ended up with utter failure. And I couldn't quit on my own. I had no control and I had to come to terms with that before I could be open to the spiritual experience, which I'm told will conquer my addiction day at a time. And, you know, I tried wishing myself into a normal body. Every birthday, I would wish, I mean, I don't know, probably starting in my 20s, I would wish on my birthday cake to be thin. Well, here's where wishing got me. You know, I, I proceeded to eat the birthday cake. Um, so cer- certainly wishing didn't help. And I tried thinking myself into controlling what I ate, but lack of power really was my dilemma. I had no power, and I couldn't wish, think, or will myself into controlling my eating. So I really had to get out of my head and quit the debating society. And I found just being open-minded, I was desperate, so I was willing to be open-minded because really what I needed was a new mind. I needed a new way of thinking. And so conceding to my innermost self that I was powerless really did enable me to start finding a power outside myself. And I found that power in the process of working these steps. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Kathleen O. So let's open up the lines for others that want to comment on page 44, paragraph 4 of the big book. I'm ready. Marin K. Dorita P. Marin K. Dorita. Anyone else? Robin P. Robin P. Leah S. Leah S. Okay, let's go with that and see what comes next. Marin K., Dorita P., Robin P., and Leah S. Good morning, Marin. Good morning, and thank you all you visionaries for sharing. Yeah, I, uh, once again, the mere code of morals, as people have said, the knowledge, but, you know, trying to use religion. I mean, I've tried all those things, and I have tried them even while I've been abstinent to do what OA uh, vision, you know, what, what is like the big book is my Bible. That's all there is to it. And, um, you know, I was in eight different hospitals before I found the big book and was able to get help. I did need outside help. I needed to be somewhere sequestered because my bulimia was so violent, but I did have the big book and it wasn't until my sponsor and I worked on the big book that I started to feel like I had a higher power. And um, like others have said, I can uh, go agnostic at times and not bring my higher power into the things that I need to bring them into. And I still have areas of my life where I keep my higher power out of it. And I believe that it's important for me to just be honest and say that I have some unresolved places that need my higher power. And, um, uh, you know, I have... I am still fallible, and I'm still in the process of recovery. And um, but I do have a choice. I have a choice to be on my own, or or join the group and be in the herd. And I prefer to be in the herd rather than be on my own. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Marin. Dorita P, you're next, and then Robin, you'll come after Dorita. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you so much for all your service. My name is Dorita P. from Cleveland, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I'm really grateful to be here. It's a privilege and honor to be at a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Everybody do not get this opportunity for whatever reason, so I'm really grateful I have a seat here. Yeah, um, talking about powerlessness, um, I was raised by a single mom who taught us to be um independent and self-sufficient, not to depend on anyone, not even a man or a husband. Um, And so I lived like that. Um, So I went to school, got, you know, decent grades and um, graduated, went to college, um, had a full-time job. Um, And so I really, it was hard for me to see, like, the unmanageability part of step one. Um, 
And and so on the outside, my life looked fine. You know, I was holding down this full-time job. I was uh, driving a new car every couple of years. Um, you know, I didn't have any children. And at that time, I wasn't married. Uh, but when I was younger, all of my friends were having children. Uh, most of them were not married. And so, you know, I looked like I, I was doing pretty good in life. Um, so... Um, and I like that part that says that, you know, it, it failed or we felt utterly. And utterly means, um, let's see, I hit it. Uh, utterly, uh, some synonyms for, for utterly is completely. Uh, so my, my will fell, failed completely, totally, absolutely, entirely, wholly, fully, thoroughly. Um, yes. Um, so with all my power, all my power, all my might, uh, I couldn't control my eating. So I'm just really grateful that, you know, this program has just what I, I need. Uh, it enables me, it enabled me to find a power greater than myself that would solve all my problems. And I found that to be true. Um, and I didn't want to come on the meeting today, you know, but I love a vision for you. I even say that a vision for you is 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 where the most recovery in OA is, you know, anywhere around the world because people from all over the world is on a vision for you. Um, and I say there's 500 people, you know, 300 at seven and another 200 at um, 10, the new 10 o'clock meeting. So I'm just really grateful to even be on the line today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Dorita P. Robin P., you're next, and Leah will come up under you. Good morning, Melanie. Um, thank you very much for your service. Good morning, everybody. I'm Robin P. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. And, you know, um, I came into this program a devout atheist. You know, that's where I was raised. And I had a spiritual awakening that led me to God and led me to my life. And, you know, God was the least important thing I could imagine, and now God is the most important part of my life. And the only way, in my opinion, that I could have gotten from that place to this place was through a spiritual awakening and in this program. And um, I am forever grateful for that. Uh, I feel that you know, there I get to have a spiritual awakening in connection with God in every area of my life. You know, and the further I go um, in the program I'm at, I'm, I've been recovered for over two and a half years, and you know, God works with me on surrendering my company, surrendering you know um, my relationships. It just everything comes up, and I get to be. Um, of myself, I'm nothing, the Lord do it the work. Like, it just keeps showing up that I get to really awaken to spirit in every area of my life. And um, I am so grateful. And instead of trying to will or white-knuckle any part of my life, I get to surrender. And there's such a blessing at the other side of that. And um, anyway, thanks so much for letting me share. I'm I'm so grateful. And the last thing I just wanted to say was that, you know, working through others, no kidding, it really works every time, you know. Uh, every single time, it reminds me and helps me to grow spiritually, to be of service. And um, and God does that for me, you know. When I'm focused on myself, I get to go help someone else, and wow, it just opens my heart to more. So thanks so much. I hope everyone has a wonderful day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Robin P. Leah S., you're next, and then we'll open it up for page 44, paragraph 4 in the big book. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much. Um, my name is Leah S., and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. So um, I had to surrender. I had to finally face the fact that there is a power greater than myself, and it's not human it's not it's impossibly not human it's not human um 
once that penetrated, I had to find my own higher power, my own God. And what am I going to do with this God? So I made this God to be kind and to be loving and to be non-judgmental of me. This was the way I could bring this God into my heart and into my life with every predicament and every challenge that I have. It's not only about the food where you bring God into the into your life. Where, whereas before I would say, oh God, you know, um, God does big things, you know, like making it rain and making making the the sea not overflow from, you know, making the difference between land and sea. Gosh, God is too busy with so many other things, but. I had to personalize it. And once I brought kindness, love, and non-judgmental kind, kind of uh, characteristics, and also I, uh, my sponsor told me, you know what, you can talk to this higher power whenever you want to. You can reach out wherever you want to. I just need to connect with that. So connect with that kindness. Connect with that love. Throw away those resentments, Leia. Right now, bring love, because it brings such tranquility into your heart. It, nothing is like, oh, it's the end of the world. Nothing is panicky. Nothing is anxiety. It, uh, I mean, it doesn't mean that life is not life. But, you know, we need, we need that love. I need that love. And I need that kindness. And the more I display it within myself, the more I'm able to give it. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah S. Looks like time will allow for probably four more people to comment on paragraph four on page 44 of the big book. Who would like to do that? Star one, please. Terry H. Hi, Terry H. Hi. Anybody else? John K. Hey, good morning, John K. Amy M. Amy M. Can we get one more? Well, let's go with that so we can save the time from from ticking away. Terry H., John K., and Amy M. Good morning again, Terry. Good morning. Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H., a recovered compulsive eater, bulimic, and anorexic in North Carolina. Um, beautiful day today. Um, I like this where it says we could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophical. In fact, we could will these things. You know, I made a lot of wishes. I wish to be stop eating compulsively. I wish to stop purging the moment I purged. You know, I made a lot of wishes, and I tried really, really hard to stop compulsive eating, to stop um, purging and restricting. Um, However, no matter what I did, no matter how hard I tried and how hard I wished, um, I could not stop on my own will and on my own power. And, you know, it took me working these steps and connecting with my higher power to um, be able to stop, you know, and... You know, having that uh, spiritual connection, that spiritual awakening um, as a result of working through the steps. Um, I've always had a higher power. It has evolved for me. Um, Today I'm more open um, um, with that process. I'm I'm more connected than I ever have been in my life. And, you know, I don't don't have to wish anymore. I don't, you know, I do have to take the actions. You know, wishing will only get you a wish. And so I have to take the actions every day. I had to take the actions and, and put the foods down and work through the steps with my sponsor. And it wasn't easy, but I did it because I didn't want to die and I didn't want to live a miserable existence. And um, so, you know, today, um, you know, I just wake up and I take these actions and I live life. And I am so grateful today to be recovered and to, to be neutral around foods and to be able to work with other people and just, you know, be of maximum service. 
um, I'm looking forward to a wonderful weekend and um, wonderful weather. And, you know, not worried about all the festivities and everything that's going on, but just living life and enjoying the moment. And um, I wouldn't be able to do that without this program and without working those steps, one at a time, in order, uh, abstinent. And thank you guys for being here, and I hope everyone has a great day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Terry H. John K., you're next, and then Amy will come after you. <clears throat> Thanks. Melanie, uh, John Karen, Recovery Compulsive Eater. You know, if a mere code of morals or better philosophy were sufficient, yeah, if only, right? Um, I, I've said for a long time, first of all, I believe that the 12 steps were God's gift to the 20th century. And, and I also say that, um, uh, you know, I have been in this program for a long time, and I have been side-by-side side in meetings with priests, ministers, rabbis, nuns, etc., cantors. And um, if a mere conscious contact with a higher power alone, if, you know, if a mere code of morals, et cetera, had been enough, they would never have had to been here. We, the thing about that gift to the 20th century is it's the rowboat. It's the way to do it, and it's dropped down for everybody to use. And I tell uh, agnostic sponsees if they have a problem with the higher power, just believe in this rowboat. Don't worry about where it came from. I happen to believe it came from somewhere above or wherever, but you don't have to. But... The thing is, I had to relearn what I thought, because I also came as a rabid atheist. And, um, you know, I always say that, you know, the, you know, the number one thing is I have to believe on the lesser power before I can believe in any higher power. And then also I had to pretty much do a teardown on the, my beliefs from my childhood, because um, this is a great quote. I don't have it with me now. I, I did it in my last special edition about from William James from the, variety of spiritual experiences where he essentially says, you know, most people don't come to a belief in a higher power based on any, you know, deep philosophical thinking. It's pretty much handed to us by our parents, which is exactly what happened to me. I got handed, I got handed a church. I got handed what I was supposed to believe by my mother, who got handed it to it by her mother, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the reality was there was no connection whatsoever. This was a set of rules. This was the the bad guy enforcer or a good guy enforcer, I guess, uh, up there somewhere. But there was never any feeling, you know. We, my, uh, at least for me, I, we, my family had a hand-me-down God, and there was no connection. So if I have no connection, how can this, how can this thing that I, that I only see as an authority figure help me with my problem? You know, I, I needed to find a connection, and that's the one thing that was missing. You know. And um, I love in, in, in a, a different place we're going to be, I believe it's coming up soon, where it talks about the difference between a set of spiritual beliefs and, and a spiritual experience. And that to me is the key where all of a sudden you begin to see that the thing that it says in the night that promises God is suddenly doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And it is for me, I can only speak for me, uh, when it talks later in the, in the back of the book about the spiritual experience, for me it was the educational variety. No big flash of light like Bill W. had and other people I know have had. It was just slowly that educational thing of, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe there is a power greater than myself helping me. Why on one day, you know, uh, 36 years ago, was I able to stop drinking when I couldn't stop drinking? And why one day, 23 years ago, after being on a multi-year relapse, was I able to get it when it was just another Monday <laughs> that I had tried a thousand times? I got to believe there was some grace involved in that, and that somebody said, okay, it seems like he's really trying to do it. Maybe maybe this time we'll, uh, we'll give him a shot. And, and today, I believe that. I believe I got given a gift. And this gift of abstinence is, is something I couldn't get myself. But I'm the only one who will take it away. <laughs> you will throw it away, I mean. You know, no higher power comes down and takes away anybody's abstinence. I just need to keep doing, put one foot in front of the other. Like it says in the, in the promises, you know, I just need to stay in fit spiritual condition. So anyway, with that, I pass. Thank you so much, John K. Amy M., you're next. And then we'll have time probably for one more. Good morning, Amy. Star one, Amy.
Well, then let's open up that spot for a couple of others. Are there two other people that would like to comment on paragraph four, page 44 of the big book this morning? Oh, hi, this is Amy. I didn't realize I was muted still. <laughs> oh, okay, there you go. Let's have you do yeah. that then and see if we can grab sure. some more after you. Yeah. Okay. Okay, thanks. Uh, I'm Amy M., a food addict, Anchorage, Alaska. And um, I think this is maybe my third or fourth time on this on this meeting, and I'm just loving what I'm hearing. And um, I, I think what I wanted to share, what resonates so much for me, is our human resources is marshaled by the will. We're not sufficient. They uh, failed us utterly. And um, uh, where I'm, where I'm at, that's, that's definitely where I'm at. And with everything that I'm hearing and where I'm at in my own journey, I just know the hope is in a power, um, a power and greater than myself. I've, um, gosh, it's been challenging lately, so I want to leave it at that because I want to. I know this is about sharing the solution. Uh, I'm just very, very grateful uh, to be on this call. I've never heard such strong, enthusiastic recovery in any meeting. So thanks to all of you, Amy M. Anchorage, Alaska. Thank you, Amy M. Thank you so much. And that would open it up for one more three-minute share or two two-minute shares. Who would like to take that? This is Katie G. from Boston. Hey, Katie G. We'll take that. And, uh, yeah, Joanne. we'll go and see what happens. Oh, Joanne, it, let's see if we can. And um, Go with Katie first, please, though. Thanks, Katie. Okay, great. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Katie G. Recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic in Boston. And, um, <clears throat> you know, what I have found to be the most helpful about step two, because that's what we're talking about, right, is that it's not about me developing my own conception of God. This Really, the only thing I need to know is that step one, I'm broken. I'm broken, and all my ways are broken and wrong. Because <laughs> they're not wrong, but they just, they're not helping me, right? They're not supporting me. So what I'm doing is not working, and my life is unmanageable, what I'm e- whether I'm eating or not. And number two, step two, is that there's a power greater than me, and I'm not it. But there's no chapter called into thinking or into understanding it's all into action and so what was has been the most helpful for me is to realize there's no figuring it out that needs to happen that I need to continue forward and look at the ways I have been blocked and that's really what we're talking about here right like morals are a better philosophy of life if I do this if I'm a better little girl then I'm going to get what I want and it doesn't work no matter great no matter how great the necessity or the wish and that in fact you know living as a recovered woman today I can still think okay well my morals and my philosophy of 12-step living is going to help me overcome my food addiction. Like I'm, I'm going to be cured. I'm going to be all set. But what this program teaches me is that I have a twofold illness, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. And the only solution is when I step out of the way and I access God. And, and, um, and that that's why I continue to work each and every each and every day to look at where is my selfishness and my self-centeredness and my dishonesty and my fear causing me to rely on me again, causing me to say, okay, well, I believe God is in one area of my life, but he's certainly not here because I'm not getting what I want. So, so that's not working. And then I, I give myself a rationalization, justification, and defense action to, to go and do what it is I want to do. And then my human resources fail me. So, you know, that's why I continue. You know, there is no cure in this program. It's all about continuing, continuing to uncover, discover, and discard how I, how I don't know, what I don't know. And, um, and really that, that has been the process for me of discovering God is, you know, um, I feel like my whole purpose today is to get smaller and smaller and let God get bigger and bigger and let God get so big that I can't understand him. Thank you. With that, I pass. My apologies for that bold repeat there. Great. There is two minutes. Uh, one minute. Joanne, do you want to take a minute? Yeah, this is Joanne B. from Texas, and I'm um, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for everyone who speaks on these lines. So often I don't get on, and 
I'm just so grateful to be able to glean from what is shared. And um, in this paragraph, I know that um, I I came in as as uh, someone who had a spiritual um, power greater than myself. However, I didn't realize that I was um, limiting his that power. Um, so it was very, very uh, kind of liberating to realize that I was agnostic <laughs> in so many ways, and uh, um, and it's been interesting to see how much you know. Every so often, probably more than that. So um, time. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, how he works in my life, and uh, thank you again for being here for everyone and all the service that that you all do. Thank you so much, Joanne. Those minutes tick by fast. Thank you, everyone, for your service here today and your sharing this morning. This is the process now that we're going to begin to close the recorded portion of our meeting, but stick around. We're going to um, meet newcomers, invite sponsors on the line, etc. So if I uh, would have Kathy Jo P. please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only, and then we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Good morning, Kathy Jo. Good morning, Melanie. This is Kathy Jopia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship and of the spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.